Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, yeah, say moi. Hello, how you doing? Um, I had a lot of energy yesterday on the show. Does something sound strange? Oh, what a silly question. Maybe it's just a little too high in my, um, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of that, and apologies to those of you who are so sick and tired of hearing about it, and that includes my producer, um, but I did get a letter from one of you that is sort of ripped my guts out, and um, I, I need, and let me just address this, um, the audio stuff. You know, I struggle in here too sometimes, um, and I, I want you to know that we are not, sometimes when we think that it might be your computer or something, that we're not blaming you. There's far too many of you <laughs> who are having troubles. Um, but let me, just for those of you who aren't, I don't know, let me read Mary's letter to you, because um, it, made me crazy. I forwarded it to the powers that be. They take it seriously as well. And we're, we're, we're purchasing new equipment. It's not here yet. We're thinking possibly while we retool, maybe I should go back to that Point Park University studio we were in for a while. But there were problems there, too, <laughs> everywhere. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what to do. But I want to share this letter just so those of you who don't have troubles understand what those who do have troubles are going through. And for you all to understand that I am so sick and tired of this, too, I could scream. But we're trying, okay? She says, I'm not going to do the whole thing. She, she says, I can hardly hear you. Uh, and then she said it was getting better before I left on vacation. Then, then Susan came on and she could hear Susan, but she couldn't hear me. And um, she says, if your sister can come through loud and clear, then you should be able to also. It's not a problem with my phone or my computer settings. Please don't keep telling us the volume problem is on our end. I won't. I, I, I won't. Uh, clearly, it isn't. Um, I mean, every once in a while it is. <laughs> but no, it's not. Um, I have tried listening to you both on YouTube and on City Paper, and I have the same problem. I don't have any problems with any other YouTube videos. You should see what I do to listen to you. This is the part that just got me. I have to have the volume on my phone all the way up, and I plug that into my docking station and have also turned... No, I, no, wait, wait, wait. I have to have the volume on my phone all the way up, and I plug it into my docking station and have that also turned all the way up. I have the same problem trying to listen to you in my car. I end up with my volume in the car up to 40 or 50 when I usually have it set at 4 or 5. I love your show. I listen every day, but I am getting fed up. I can't figure why you all can't get the darn volume turned up. Please, 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 please. Quit telling us that some other people can hear you just fine. I can't. Uh, another one of your weary listeners. Well, um, Mary, I hear you. We hear you. It ain't happening fast enough for me either. Hang in there, please. Please. Um, you know... I believe me, feel your pain because I share it. Maybe even more than you can <laughs> imagine. So I just want to 
you know, I mean, we start the show, and I sound different in my head almost every time, and Amy's over here desperately trying to, it, and it's weird, because then I will watch the show, someone will send me a clip, and it's fine when I'm looking at it, we check it here, it's, everything seems fine, and yet we know from your reports that that ain't the case out there, and believe me, smarter minds than I than mine, and when it comes to this kind of stuff, I'm a dundering idiot, but have been truly puzzled by what's happening. So they did bring in an audio consultant while I was on vacation. He apparently has made certain recommendations of new stuff to buy. I, uh, I'm skeptical myself. It's hard not to be. It ain't rocket science. <laughs> Don't get it. Okay, so I, I just want you guys to know, I, we are aware and they are working on it. I, it's nothing, I wish I could myself. I mean, I wish I knew how. And could just, you know, I'd like to just blow it up and, and start over. Okay, so <coughs> I, uh, <coughs> sorry, I'm, we're starting with the obituary of the day. <coughs> I was going to say someday it'll be America, the obituary of the day, the United States of America. But no, that's not it yet. We have not begun to fight. Um, Andre Previn. Uh, I was sorry to hear of his passing. Andre Previn is a, um, certainly has a strong Pittsburgh connection, uh, having, having been uh, not sure exactly what his title was when he was here, but he was the uh, conductor. Probably that's not the right title. The maestro, the who knows what, of the Pittsburgh Symphony. Um, from 80, from 76 to 84. When I came to Pittsburgh, he was the, he was the head of the symphony. And, um, really interesting biography. I, you know, I, when I read obituaries, I love the, I just like the little sort of asides that you wouldn't, nor like, listen to this one. He became an American citizen in 1943, and in 1950, he was drafted into the army. But even before he went into the army, and even before he graduated from high school, he was called in by MGM Pictures. <laughs> they even know about him. In uh, 1946, to help with a musical called Holiday in Mexico. Uh, you know, with all the Turner Classic movies I watch, I feel like I know every lousy, you know, musical and every nonsensical film ever done. And, and this one I've never heard of, and I'm sure it was awful. It starred Walter Pidgeon. And again, for those of you who know these old stars, Walter Pidgeon starring in a musical? What do I know? Anyway, very confusing. So he's in high school. MGM calls him in because they've got a problem. Uh, with, uh, there was a concert pianist in the musical, uh, I mean, who actually was a concert pianist, and he was supposed to, uh, in a scene, play jazz, and he was extremely uncomfortable, uh, just riffing. He was used to following directions and the notes, and um, so Previn, Andre Previn, high schooler, was brought in to write down a 
jazzy riff that this guy could play, but that would appear to be, you know, just off the cuff. Um, and here's, the, I, I tell all that because it's not that he's in high school, he's, um, he's this young German emigre, and he's in high school, and he's already doing uh, music for Hollywood films, and this particular one starring Walter Pigeon, Holiday in Mexico, and here's the parenthetical thing that's in this obit that just blew me away. Here it is. We're talking about Holiday in Mexico, which was made in 1946. Parentheses. A young Fidel Castro was an extra in the film. I... I love obits. I love obits. Unbelievable. So anyway, Andre Previn, you might not have known, you know, with the Andre Previn, you think he's French or something. No. He was uh, born in Berlin in uh, 1929. Uh, and his Jewish father, whose name was not Previn, uh, took Andre and uh, his family and ran because he was uh, no idiot. And they ran to Paris initially in 38, but Paris, of course, wasn't going to be safe for long either. And um, and uh, Previn's father got uh, got him to the United States. He'd already gotten this young kid recognized as a musical prodigy. Um, the father recognized that he had perfect pitch, uh, you know, when he was like uh, two or, or three. And uh, he was already studying at a Berlin conservatory when he was six years old. And then when they made it to France, he uh, continued uh, to study with um, some major uh, people in the field. So when he gets to the United States, and they end up in, in uh, California, um, so he's in high school, and he's already known as a, as a talent. Uh, MGM, in fact, was so impressed by him that they hired him to compose music for a number of their films. <laughs> Here's a, another. He composed the music for uh, some of the Lassie films. Who would know? And he later uh, happened to see the movie again called The Sun Comes Up. And it, it starred the old uh, Jeanette McDonald of like uh, Nelson Eddy and Jeanette McDonald. If I'm losing a bunch of you, I'm sorry, but this is like old, old Hollywood stuff. And Jeanette McDonald, who was chosen to be in this Lassie movie, was allergic to dogs. I also got that from the obit. Now what? And, and Andre Previn said, go figure. I mean, he thought it was weird, too. He happened to see the movie um, after it premiered in 1949, and uh, he said uh, this. Like all Lassie pictures, there was hardly any dialogue but a lot of barking. I thought it was easy, but I have since put myself through the ringer of watching it on TV, and it is the most inept score you ever heard. So that's his critiquing his uh, his earlier efforts. He has tons of Oscars and Grammys. He did the score, the movie scores for Gigi, for Porgy and Bess. Now understand, he didn't write the me Porgy and Bess was uh, written by Leonard Bernstein, right? Yeah. No. Who was it written by? Leonard Bernstein? 
בגרשוון. אוקיי. גרשוון. And what he did, though, is he, um, he would take these classic songs like Summertime, or, and he also did My Fair Lady. Again, he didn't write the music to My Fair Lady, the, the original uh, musical. That was, now I'm thinking that one was Lerner and Lowe. I don't know. Check it out. God. I've been wrong so often lately that I'm... Is My Fair Lady Lerner and Lowe? It ain't Rodgers and Hammerstein, I don't think. Anyway, uh, he collected Oscars for scoring these movies. Yeah, which uh, means he arranged and then orchestrated what would become the movie's soundtrack. And that's where he got a, a bunch of Oscars for that kind of stuff. Um, he was also a jazz pianist who appeared with Ella Fitzgerald. He obviously was a composer, but he composed orchestral works. He composed operas. He, uh, you know, he was a principal conductor of the London uh, Symphony of uh, Pittsburgh and, and I think left Pittsburgh to go to Los Angeles. Uh, Philharmonic, I believe. And um, is that? No, he'd. Um, I'm trying to figure out when um, Mia Farrow comes into the picture. <laughs> uh, it was before he went. Okay, so Mia Farrow, who was married to Frank Sinatra when she was 12 or something. Do you? Mia Farrow, Frank Sinatra married this young, 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 young Mia Farrow. And while she's married to uh, Sinatra, she has an affair with Andre Previn. Mm -hmm. Well, that broke up her marriage to Sinatra. Uh, I believe also broke up Previn's marriage at the time, and um, they went on to marry, and um, that was in 1970 that they married. She divorced Sinatra in 68, and Previn and Pharaoh had uh, twins, Matthew and Sasha, and also another child, Fletcher. Pharaoh already had a ton of kids, right? She already had Ronan, the taker down of the Me Too movement, a very good journalist who looks exactly like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Ronan Pharaoh. Um, and Previn and Pharaoh uh, had three children together, and they also adopted... Um, a little girl who uh, was named Summer Song, but uh, they called her Daisy, and they adopted a little girl named Soon Yi. Soon Yi later went on to marry Mia Farrow's next husband. <laughs> Oh, my God! Wait a minute. Yeah, that is what happened. So then after Previn and Pharaoh split up, she moved on to Woody Allen. Jeez, I don't know. Frank Sinatra, <laughs> Andre Previn, Woody Allen. Uh, so um, anyway, yeah, Woody Allen comes into the picture, and... Um, so when people say he was Soon Yi's father, that's not quite right. Previn was Soon Yi's father, but he was her stepfather. Anyway, and then he married her. Oh, dear. So anyway, I just wanted to... I, I, so Andre Previn. A real... Um, he was a performer himself. I mean... 
you know, a as a conductor, there was a, you know, he, he sort of, not only, not only controlled the orchestra, but commanded kind of the audience as well, which is not always the case. And when he was here in Pittsburgh, uh, public television um, made the Pittsburgh Symphony, I think, pretty famous because they did a show, a series called Previn and the Pittsburgh. And it was uh, broadcast on PBS stations, uh, which certainly elevated the, um, I would think, elevated the reputation of the Pittsburgh Symphony, but also, according to the obit, clearly widened his box office appeal. And uh, so we left here to go to Los Angeles. There you have it, Andre Previn, an interesting life. Just another German kid that uh, would have died in the gas chambers if not for his father. Okay, I am I, I am avoiding a lot of the you know the news today. I, it's because I I think you know you can't take too much. The big news, if you ask me today, you know, on the political front, is this the newest revelation that in fact Jared Kushner never received a top security clearance from the people who are supposed to sign off on <laughs> that, namely security officials. They, they didn't want him to have one. Trump demanded of his then chief of staff, you remember General Kelly? Yeah. Uh, that he get Kushner that clearance. Now, obviously the president has the right to trump his advisors in this kind of situation, which is, a, that was, you know, that's unfortunate because back in the day, we uh, assumed that presidents were not potential enemy moles, <laughs> you know. You know, I was thinking in that respect, uh, we hear about the, you know, the the executive presidency that in our time, in recent times, the presidency has derived more power than um, the founders probably intended. Um, and that the president has an awful lot of unilateral, you know, the checks and balances sort of fall away in certain cases and often in cases of, you know, crisis, like, you know, the ability to do emergency orders, the ability to say, I don't care what the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, and everybody else is telling me. I want my son-in-law to have access to all sensitive, highly secret information, even as those intelligence experts are screaming, no, no, we do not think he should. What we don't know is why they were so reluctant isn't quite the word because they never signed off on it, why they did not want Kushner having access to this information. And um, you have to believe that his business dealings, his little cons and stuff that he's working on on the side all the time, his, his uh, ensuring that his position makes him richer, all that kind of stuff, they must have really been worried because he has a lot of entanglements with foreign governments. And we have since, you know, we have learned that foreign governments found Kushner, like Trump, just extraordinarily naive and 
playable. A useful idiot. And you wonder. You wonder what the, I mean, I wouldn't trust Jared Kushner, Donald Trump, and most of the people around him, you know, at all. And yet, they are trusted with, entrusted with, the most important secrets of this country. And yet, they have an affection for these despots, these murderous killers who terrorize their own people. Isn't Kushner, even as I speak, isn't he like with the Saudi prince? Aren't they making peace in the Middle East? So that, that, that is, um, and, and you know, the only reason that we're aware of this is because Kelly um, was so freaked. He did it, though. He did what Trump told him to do, got Kushner's clearance, but this is a term we now know, contemporaneous note. He made a contemporaneous note, so freaked out was he, that this is what I have been ordered by the president to, and he wanted to, that was to protect himself, I'm sure. But... Um, Oh dear, we have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Ren, it's Mike in DC. Hi. Hi. So I can assure you, I have some experience with secret clearances, and um, there are two reasons that people's clearances don't get approved or rejected. The first is if you have a lot of debt, because uh, this um, it they makes see you, that yeah, it makes you, you potentially uh, blackmailable or something. Right. 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 And right. when I say a lot, I mean like twenty thousand over your credit card limit, or twenty thousand dollars over your mortgage. Some debt is okay, like a mortgage or a car, but if you have a, a lot of debt, and that doesn't mean hundreds of thousands, it could mean twenty or fifty or whatever. Well, but Jared, um, Jared the, Kushner, and Trump live um, carrying hundreds of millions in debt. Right. And then the second, more important reason that I'm sure he was rejected is his application was faulty. He lied or misrepresented his application and said that he had no foreign contacts. <laughs> if, if you have a secret clearance and you go on a Tinder date and that Tinder date says, oh, yeah, I'm from China, you have to literally go back to work, go to your security manager and say, hey, I just had this date last night with someone who's from China. If you don't do that, the average person can lose their security clearance over some, any interaction with a foreign person, uh, a person who's not um, a nationalized citizen. You can lose your clearance for that. And we all know that. I mean, you should see how strict people, a friend of mine um, was behind on taxes. And I said, what are you going to do? And she's like, go to my security manager. Like, we all know we, have, we take tons of classes and online things and remember to do this. So it's really a slap in the face of every government contractor and civilian worker because it is tough to get a clearance. It's a long, arduous process, and it's even more it's even more important to try and keep it. Incredible. And if you get arrested or a DUI or all of that stuff has to be reported instantly, and if you don't, they pull it. And when I say they pull it, I don't mean it's under review. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. It means they take you out of where you work. They put you in a closet. You're not allowed to touch anything that could even be close to secret or in a room where there's secret information until this is resolved, which could be months. Well, but see... In the application? <laughs> in the application? They talk to your grandmother's second cousin, 
you're a second grade teacher. I had to call my mom and say, look, the FBI is going to call you. Answer their questions. Don't answer. Don't volunteer any additional information. <laughs> Just answer their questions. Did they go? And my mom was freaked out. Did they go after your Cub Scout uh, dead mother? Exactly. I mean, they know. And when they come to you, by the way, they already know the answers. Yes, they do. So anybody who lies to the FBI being, is an yeah, idiot. I remember being questioned once, long, long time ago, uh, about a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and neighbors. I, at, yeah. uh, say in the past 10 years, I've had five investigators knock on my door saying I'm investigating your next-door neighbor, and they ask the stereotypical questions, you know, is he trustworthy and honest? Have you noticed any odd alliances with foreign governments, blah, blah, blah. And that's a scary call to get or a knock on the door. I'm from the FBI. Yeah. Right? So what, what do they think? You're, 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 you're casing your neighbors. Uh, how would you, I mean, God, most people don't even know their neighbors. Right. Um, and I have had to say that. Which neighbor is that? The one across the street <laughs> down on the White House? Yeah, right. Um, but yeah. Wow. And, it's, and, and, and then every 10 years, you have to go through this whole process again. So this is serious. And that's exactly why he got denied is because he lied on his application. And he has and, debt up to his eyeballs. And he consorts with all kinds of shady foreign characters. Right. But you see, so he that is, could be said. Here, here, here's what I realized. All of that could be said and then some, about his father-in-law, Donald Trump. Donald Trump could no more pass a security clearance than, you know, than, than a, a crook, because he is a crook. He could not pass. And yet, because the people, in their wisdom, put him in the White House, made him commander-in-chief, gave him all these executive powers, he has access to stuff he would never be allowed to see. And the only saving grace is that the security, the security administration or the security agencies don't present the briefings to him anymore. He doesn't read them. He doesn't care. Um, and I'm sure that they're withholding some information from him. I'm, I, I, would, I am sure, too. There is no way that those guys are telling him everything. There's no way. I mean, if you have a president who even the FBI considered could be a foreign agent, why would I, – I can't imagine. I bet those guys I, – I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I, I, Jesus Christ, I can't imagine. And that's the reason that the security clearance is important. It isn't looking to see if you're a good or bad person. It's looking to see at how likely are you a risk right. of being turned into an agent right. for a foreign government. That's really what it's looking at. That's what if it's like. someone knocks on your door and says, we'll pay off your debt if you start Xeroxing copies at work. Right. We'll, um, you know, that's exactly. what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, wow. Wow. Oh, God help us. I, 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 I can't, you know, can you imagine what we're in for over the next eight months, let's say. Can you imagine? And can you imagine if this had been Obama's people who got secret clearances without having their credentials or Hillary Clinton's or Bill Clinton's or Al Gore's? It would be war, World War III. There'd be hearings every other day about this. Right. Those people would be banished to Siberia. They'd be talking about them like, I didn't know them, but it's Trump, so it's okay. The rules don't apply. Never have. But we do know that unless something else befalls him, he is going to end up, there's no way this guy doesn't end up in jail. Is there? Unless he doesn't step down which is what Cohen's the fear is, and I think it's a legitimate fear. 
Well, I don't think it's that he won't no... step down as much as he will not go away. He will step. He doesn't even. Well, he now needs to be president to avoid jail, right? Right. So, which so gives him more incentive to, hang to not have a, a peaceful transition. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe that might be the kind of thing that might wake up one or two uh, Republicans who haven't uh, who haven't completely no, lost their conscience. As long as there. he's alive, what they're really afraid of him for is his Twitter. They're yeah. deathly afraid of that because he can bring somebody down with a with a nickname. Oh dear God! Where is the? Are there any courageous people in Washington D.C.? <laughs> Are there there are. You don't see them. Yeah. And that's why um, his chief of staff had it in writing, because yeah. he knew this was going to be a shit show. That's right. And he didn't want to be in of Congress saying, how did this foreign agent get secret clearance, top secret clearance? And do you know what? Top secret SCI is, there are only maybe 10,000 people in the country, and that sounds like a lot, but it's not, who have that. It is nearly impossible to get top secret clearance. God. God. So, oh, God bless America. Okay, God bless America, yeah. Thank you. Interesting call. Bye. Appreciate it. Sure. Bye, bye. Um, dear God in heaven. Uh, let's, let's, let's leave Trump for a, 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 a sec. And, and tell you that I think you can still get tickets tonight for a uh, television host and culture uh, expert on the Emmy-nominated reboot of uh, Queer Eye. Um, Karamo Brown? Is that out of it? I am. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name. Anyway, he's going to be at the August Wilson Center tonight at uh, 7 p.m., and he's going to be, this is a kind of, you know, he's going to talk to the audience about uh, how to be uh, successful, how to be true to yourself. He is an openly gay black man. He's a single father. He's a psychotherapist. Um, and he's giving a talk tonight at 7 called Know Thyself using your uniqueness to create success. That is something happening at the August Wilson Center tonight, but that's not all that's happening at tonight. That's at 7, at 9 o'clock. This is what I'm telling you. That place is jumping all the time. At 9 o'clock, and there's more than one venue in there, uh, Butcher Brown takes the stage. This is a five-man uh, group, throwback to the jazz bands of the 60s and 70s. And um, they are getting noticed. Butcher Brown. Uh, at first, when I saw that Karamo Brown was at the, at the August Wilson Center, and Butcher Brown was at the... I thought they were like one in the, I, this is again, how out of I am. They just, not any relation. They just both happen to be named Brown, and they're both doing the August Wilson Center tonight. There's stuff happening there every, every day and night. So tickets still available. Um, go to their, go to their website or go to um, the uh Pittsburgh Cultural Trust website, whatever you have to do, and find um, yourself a ticket. Okay? Thank you. Oh, wow. Hey, there is some good news today. Maybe Netanyahu might be going to prison. Horrible man, God. Netanyahu. There's a difference in between Israel and a lot of the countries surrounding Israel, and it is, in fact, a democracy. And even prime ministers and presidents 
can be gotten by the law. And so he is the Attorney General of Israel. Um, and that's a small country. I mean, these people all know each other. <laughs> the Attorney General uh, has uh, said that he is going to be indicting Netanyahu on bribery charges, fraud charges. There's a reason Netanyahu and Trump uh, like each other. Despicable. Uh, here's something I found that this is for all you ladies, well, and some guys, I guess, too, who use certain products, especially uh, makeup stuff. Um, I hate to tell you this, but some of the common ingredients in makeup are disgusting. I'm just telling you. You might be smearing on your face to make yourself look beautiful. Stuff that has whale vomit in it. I'm not kidding you I don't know how you harvest whale vomit how do you do that they got whale farms and they make them you know they put something down their throat and make them puke and then they get that and sell sell it off to you know Estee Lauder oh <laughs> uh, gotta yeah we have a shipment of whale vomit coming in uh, I kid you not whale vomit it's uh, actually has a fancy uh, term it's ambergris. Amber, A-M-B-E-R-G-R-I-S. I'm, it, maybe it's ambergris, but I'm going to assume it's ambergris. <laughs> oh, that is whale vomit. It is used in cosmetics. Uh, uh, how about oil from shark livers? Yes, that too is in your makeup. You know, and if you even think of like something like lanolin, which is in so many lotions and stuff, what is lanolin? Do you know? It's grease. It's the grease from sheep's wool. <laughs> There's a lot of gelatin in this stuff. What's gelatin? Do you know? Yeah, it's from, uh, you know, like you take uh, pig bones or cow bones and you boil it up or, and it releases, uh, yeah, gelatin. There's something called carmine, which is in a lot, C-A-R-M-I-N-E, a lot of your, um, I think, lipsticks and stuff. You know what it is? It's crushed up beetles. You cannot make this up. I am reading from the New York Times. <sighs> also, something called Allentoin. You know what that is? Why don't they just say what it is? It's cow urine. Okay, so makeup can contain cow urine, whale vomit. Um, crushed up beetles, shark liver oil. It's got a lot of bee, bee stuff in it. It's got honey and beeswax, but there's a lot of critters and, and parts of critters <laughs> that, are, that are used. Ugh. So um, this article is actually about how, you know, some, some people try to look for uh, cosmetics and stuff that says that it's wasn't tested on animals because they don't want animals being harmed um, in making their... Uh, but So people who might be worried about animals being harmed might also want to know that what they're really doing is spreading animal stuff on themselves. So there's two different things. There's uh, cruelty-free products. That's 
where animals are not test, uh, not used to test it. I'm really, I'm sorry, I'm really s not sharp today, am I? Um, so they put it this way, it is possible for um, an item that is, you know, a vegan would be comfortable with to have been tested on an animal. And it's possible that a cruelty-free product contains a lot of animal ingredients. Yes, it's cruelty-free because it wasn't tested on animals, but it might include animal products. Anyway, who knew? I didn't. Uh, Roger says, let's face it, with this administration, Bill Maher was dead on when he said, the good thing about New England winning the Super Bowl is at least some patriots will be in the White House. <laughs> some won't either. I know that there's a few players who say they, they ain't going. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's frightening. It really is. It's frightening. I hate it when I'm, you know, my head feels not sharp. Do you have days like that? I felt really sharp yesterday. I did. And then, and you know, and I had fun on the show. And then today I come in and I'm like, it's just weird. You don't know from day to day, and maybe I shouldn't draw attention to it because maybe it's not as bad as I think. Um, oh God, one of the things that distresses me when I bother to think about it is how we are, most of us, addicted now to mm, little beeps, little things that get our attention all the time, the fear that we're missing out on something. Um, and I'm always railing about how our humanity is being altered and basic ways that humans have uh, lived ever since humans have been on this earth are disappearing. Um, these things were supposed to bring us together. They have a, in some ways, but they've taken us and made us all sort of solitary, head down, cocooning in our own little created worlds. And to realize the, the social impact of this, the psychological impact of this. If you ever bother to think about it, it really is. That's another scary thing, and it is. So there are a number of people who recognize that they've gone, that they can't live without this thing, that they check it hundreds of times a day. And if you were to keep, uh, I mean, if I were to, I guess I should do that. If I were to keep a thing of how many times I yeah, do this, um, if you think of the time in your life wasted, because this gizmo makes it so easy to waste time, to play stupid, addictive games, I do that to, you know, scroll endlessly through whatever, whatever stuff, information, when 30 years before, we would have been doing something rather than that, right? We would have been doing something. And it was a long time ago now that I w saw for the first time 
Uh, I was in a restaurant and there was a booth across from me and there were four people in it, young people, and they were all on their phones. And I remember looking at that and thinking, and now I wouldn't even notice. And in fact, I might be one of the four. So there are people now and programs out there. There's a book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And for people who have really become uh, self-aware about what the phone has done to them, um, and there is a reporter for the New York Times who felt he had lost his way, clearly. And so he went on this program with this woman coaching him on how how to do it and um, he at first didn't know he went he had to go for 48 hours without checking in and you know a lot of people would panic at that prospect right I every once in a while have left the house and forgotten my phone and when I realize I've forgotten my phone, I've, yeah, I feel this like, which is absurd. I lived most of my life without one of these friggin' things. So one of the things they tell you, I'm doing a lot of stuff I hate, I want to tell you, because I can hear myself too. I'm doing, I, I sound a little valley girlish today. I'm doing a little upspeak, aren't I? Are you hearing that? Or is it maybe just me? I'm in a real self-critical mode here. And I'm also starting a lot of sentences with a two-letter word, with, and I can't stand when I hear it, and I'm doing it. I keep saying so. <laughs> so... One of the problems in trying to wean yourself from these things is you don't know what to do. You've forgotten how to live. And this guy came up with something brilliant. He signed up. One of Somebody came up with this idea. Sign up for pottery classes. You know why? It's manually challenging. It keeps your hands busy. It demands concentration for hours on end. And that's one of the things that this has taken from us, our ability to focus and concentrate. A pottery class, it's got your hands, it's got your head, it's got your focus, and it gets your hands dirty. Uh, which is a really good deterrent for picking up a, a, a cell phone. So this guy goes to that length um, in an effort to stop. There is, I didn't even know this, there is a term for um, the person, and I have been that person, who sitting with others, and back in the day would have been talking to them, and is instead checking my phone, that's called fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, like snubbing, only fubbing phone, fubbing. And um, anytime you choose your phone over your friend, your phone over the person you are with, you're fubbing them. Uh, fubbing, they, now, you know, sociologists, psychologists, all these people are studying this, the, the new human, and they are finding that if people engage in excessive fubbing, they definitely have decreased satisfaction in their relationships with other people and are more depressed and alienated. Uh, so this guy finally does his 48 hours, and here's some of what 
because he reports back. For two solid days, I basked in 19th century leisure. I mean, it's not even, not, you don't have to go back to 19th century. I mean, m most of my life, I didn't have this thing, and I didn't live in the 19th century. I, I was born in the, you know, well, almost, I, almost at the midpoint of the 20th century. He said, I was feeling my nerves softening and my attention span stretching out. I read books. I did the crossword puzzle. I lit a fire and looked up at the stars. I felt like Thoreau. If Thoreau periodically wondered what was happening on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Instagram story, <laughs> which I don't think ever happened. And he says, and I also felt twinges of anger at myself for missing out on this feeling of restorative boredom for so many years. I felt anger at the engineers in Silicon Valley who spend their days profitably exploiting all of our cognitive weaknesses. I felt anger at the entire phone industrial complex that has convinced us that a six-inch glass and steel rectangle is the ideal conduit for worldly experiences. And sadly, there is no way to talk about the benefits of this kind of digital disconnection without sounding like a neo-Luddite or obnoxious, or technophobic. But I cannot stress enough, he says, that under the right conditions, spending an entire weekend without a phone in your immediate vicinity is incredible. You have to try it. Um... So there. And he says one of the things about getting away from his phone is that now he can appreciate it for what it should be to us. I, he says, I think right here in my hand is a device that can summon food, get me a car, millions of other consumer goods to my door. I can talk with everyone I have ever met, create and store a photographic record of my entire life, tap into the entire corpus of human knowledge with a few... Right? This is amazing. And he says Steve Jobs was not exaggerating when he described the iPhone as a kind of magical object. And it is truly wild that in the span of a few years, just a few years, we've managed to turn these magical objects, these talismanic tools, into stress-inducing albatrosses. It's as... I, and there's really, I mean, you... I think awareness is important. Um, <laughs> we're, 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 we're losing ourselves. He says, I'm different now. I look people in the eye and I listen when they talk. I ride the elevator empty-handed. I'm starting to feel like a human again. Just saying. Brian says, if given the choice, smartphone or sex, what would people give up for life? Wow. 
That's a good one. Personally, I'd give up sex. <laughs> but that's because, you know, I can't. Been there, done it, and I'm moved on. Uh, but yeah, yeah, for younger people, that would. And then Brian points out, when I was younger, I didn't have either. He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't have sex. And life was better, wasn't it? Um, Barbara has, uh, I, I saw this. Actually, I saw this when I went like this. I saw it. Um, uh, Otto Warmbier's uh, family uh, have released a, a statement. And... Um, they say this, we have been respectful during the summit process. Now we must speak out. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for the death of our son, Otto. Kim and his evil regime are responsible for unimaginable cruelty and inhumanity. No excuses or lavish praise can change that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, guys. Um, think about it a little more. Be a little more aware. I'm really talking to myself. Okay. Have a great weekend, and I'll uh, I'll see you Monday. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.